Hello, friends, and welcome to The Interesting Hour. I'm Justin Kupinoff, and with me is my awesome co-host... Devesh Verma. Devesh Verma. <laughs> <laughs> my good buddy. And here we are on uh, our second week of releases. We released uh, three episodes at the start. Uh, one was our intro episode where we talk about the show and what's going on. And then we had Whitney Powell doing an athletes episode. That was really cool. Yeah, world-class adventure. If you haven't heard it, check it out. And then lastly, for our launch, we did an episode with Garrett Lisi, particle physicist. Dude, that, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, a little dense, but uh, it was great. Oh, man, if you thought that was dense, wait until we hear some of the other episodes. (laughs) Yeah, we we got some other stuff coming up that uh, (laughs) we were a little bit lost in. But it was all in good fun. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, check out uh, our launch with those first three episodes and share it. We would appreciate that. Yeah. You know what? I feel like we should give a shout out to Josh Kupinoff, our audio engineer, because he was in our launch episode, too. (laughs) He was. He he was a good sport about it. We just He seriously showed up that day. We're like, you want to be on the show? He's like, (laughs) I've always ever wanted to be on the podcast. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And he helped us out uh, with all the posts stuff of the show yeah. so he's doing awesome work for us yeah yeah check out uh, core foundations page to find out more about josh if you want to hire him for other stuff too so um let's get this going yeah yeah so this show brought to you by core foundation core foundation a multimedia nonprofit. check us out at cor-foundation.org and uh donate buy some shirts share some media tell your friends yeah we need your help help us out yeah man and also we got chuck levens on chuck the levens. awesome microphones and all the recording equipment we're using thanks for hooking us up yep without them we could be up and running and lastly most importantly our guest today lola michelin who's yeah. from the northwest school of animal massage dude i had no idea this even existed <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay i'm gonna say right now the topic at itself could possibly sound a little bit boring. Yeah. But when you talk to this lady and all the things, she's work. she's given rhinoceroses massages. <laughs> so it's like she, once you get to that level, you have some interesting stories to tell. And not just that, man. Like, you know, people want to go and like kids grow up. They want to be like a veterinarian or something yeah. like that. Uh-huh. I don't know, man. You might want to be an animal massage therapist <laughs> after this point. But it's such a Check niche. It it's such yeah. a niche thing. And it's so cool. And the way she like. She's established really this scene. Oh yeah. So like yeah. Anyways, I uh, it's a pretty cool episode. I actually thought this is one of the episodes I felt more like uh, of a like a kindred spirit with just for the fact that we're talking about our dogs in this episode. Oh yeah. 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 So um, if you're a pet owner, uh, pet lover, I think you'll really dig it. So check. Yeah, it out. Yeah, and she gives out some tips if you got little yeah. ones around to uh, to alleviate some of their stresses and give them a little doggy massage yeah. or cat massage. So. Yeah. Just, just listen to the episode. Yeah. All right. Without further ado. One, two, three, four. Hello, friends. And here we are with Lola Michelin, owner and operator of Northwest School of Animal Massage. How's it going, Lola? I'm well. How are you today? Very good. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> I'm, was... I'm okay, too, guys. Thanks. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Right here. Come on. <laughs> Dang it. Justin, geez. I forgot. I was just, you know, you know I, was, I, I was in the I, moment. I've seen other co-hosts and they treat each other so much better. <laughs> I'm here too, everybody. Hi. Devesh Verma. Uh, how are you feeling t- today, Devesh? I'm, I'm doing okay. I, we have Lola could be today. better. I mean, could have had a better start, but we have Lola here. So that's odd. Automatically amazing. Oh, Lola, thank you for taking the time for being on the show. Oh, I'm so excited to be with you guys today and, and talk about my favorite subject. Which is? Animal massage. Oh, yeah. And this is a very passionate topic for Justin and I because 
We have uh, dogs in our families. We got uh, our own pups. We got our own little little pups or pup Sorry. singular, but I like to say pups because it sounds cuter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's only a matter of time. I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, this is kind of cool. This episode, I'm just gonna say, I'm. We don't normally say whose idea is what for each episode, but I'm gonna say it for this one. This is Justin's idea. This is one of the original ideas he had for the show. And <laughs> yeah, back when it was called uh, yes, the Expert Hour, so like it wasn't even the interesting. Justin, hour. when he told me about the show, he sold me on a few key ideas, and one of them was an animal massage therapist in his tone. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, have you even heard of this before? What is this? We have to talk to her. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, of course. Like, I, then I got just as passionate. Like, why haven't we heard about this? Um, so, yeah, the fact that this is happening is great. Um, so, Lola, why don't you, your official title and how long, how'd you get into, like, how'd you get into this field of work? Let's start off with that. Sure, sure. So, my name is Lola Michelin and I am an animal massage practitioner for both large animals and small animals. And I'm also a human massage practitioner. So um, in addition to that, I've worked as a veterinarian technician and that's my background is in animal science. So it's kind of all related. And I've been doing that for just over 30 years. I got involved in animal massage actually when I was in college. I took a summer job working at our local racetrack and that was my first exposure to some of the therapies that were being used in those athletes. And I just got really, really interested in it and eventually met my mentor through that uh, job. And, and that's how I got started. And so you so, 30 years later, still doing it. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. So, so you basically, um, was this like a volunteer thing that you went and did at a racetrack and you found people there that were doing uh, animal massage? Um, well, I was working as a veterinarian technician on the race course, um, and it was the summer I had just finished, or I was just getting ready to finish up my undergrad degree, and mm. I was anticipating starting vet school in the fall, and I took the summer job as a vet tech, and while I was there, we had some horses, interesting cases that needed to be worked on, and one of the racetrack trainers actually flew in a gentleman from Florida who did massage. And so that was the first time I actually saw it. And I was just blown away with the results he got. So I, right away, I was like, I need to know what you know. And that's how I got started. Wow. So is that is that what changed your mind? Like, it seems like you kind of made a switch, like you wanted to do something else there. Yeah. Like, what did you start uh, undergrad as, if you don't mind me asking? Um, yeah, well, I did a, a pre-veterinarian medicine program oh, okay. uh, in animal science and a minor in genetics. Mm-hmm. And then I um, You're applied You're one of them smart school. people, aren't you? <laughs> one of those smart people? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I, honestly, I think I have to study three times longer than the normal person to get something. But um, <laughs> but I was you know I was pretty motivated, so that that didn't seem like a a hurdle to me. I like my story better, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the average the average Julie, I guess. Um, but no, I I just was so blown away that I said, "Yep, this is what I want to do." Much to probably my parents' initial chagrin, but I'm pretty happy about it now. <laughs> what Was there a lot? Uh, was that a big thing? Like, you said you've been doing it for 30 years, so 30 years ago, was this was that even as prevalent as it is now? No, not at all. I think I was one of a handful of people in the United States that was doing that type of work. Um, it wasn't really a recognized profession like it is today, and... Um, 
yeah, I think I knew the other six people that were. Uh, oh my god! What was time. what was the tipping point? What year did it turn into not a novelty necessarily, but more of like a professional business that you're saying to the, it is today? Well, I would say twelve to fifteen years ago was really when we saw a surge mm-hmm. in the interest, and even just in the last five to seven years, we've continued to see some really dramatic growth. Uh, and not just in massage, but there's other therapies as well that people are turning to now for their pets, like acupressure and aromatherapy and, and uh, you know, other modalities that you see used in people, uh, physical therapy, that are also enhancing the veterinarian care that we have available today. You guys have been featured in some things too, right? Like this is getting more than just a smaller issue. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, it's kind of been amazing to us too where we show up sometimes you're not not expecting it but um we have had mentions in the new york times uh we got featured on a npr story one time nice. um, and we're frequently in trade journals i write articles for uh the canadian horse journal and um associated body and of massage and body workers magazine um and Animal Wellness is another trade magazine that uh, commonly features us. And we've done some radio as well. We, we've got a really good following in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And uh, also Animal World Radio is based out of Seattle here, but um, played internationally. And I'm usually on that once a quarter. Yeah, that's right. You are in Seattle. The, I'm just letting the listeners know that... We are broadcasting from Los Angeles. Oh, we're not broadcasting, <laughs> oh, recording. Yeah. And then uh, Lola's over from Seattle being awesome, being on the show. But now you can add the interesting hour to that list. <laughs> yeah. I will say, yeah, although we did not start in the same room, like, <laughs> just, just to give you an idea of how much we all love animals here mm-hmm. right now, these three people, <laughs> we started off on our cameras with Lola bringing out the cutest freaking puppy I've ever seen to the camera. <laughs> Izzy. <laughs> Izzy. And then Devesh is like, oh, let me show you my puppy. <laughs> and like, I didn't sound like that just, I was like, let me show you my puppy. <laughs> I was expecting Justin to pull out his smartphone and get a picture going. You know, that's it's usually terrible. what happens when I'm, you know. Oh, it's, oh same here. it's terrible because like, my friends do not understand the love I have for my dog. And so, like, when someone mentions my dog, like, oh, what about Bella? I'm like, oh, well, let me show you. I get my phone out. I have a whole album named Bella that my wife and I add to all the time. And I just, you know, oh, go yeah. through it for the next 10 minutes. And then they regret ever mentioning my dog ever in public. So Sounds about right. Sounds about right. I don't no, know, but easy. I understand. I, <laughs> I, this, this has to be our new support group here. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> My husband and I were just at a charity auction um, the other night for um, Food Lifeline, which is an organization here in Seattle that we support. And um, everyone at the table was asking about the puppy. So, you know, my husband was like pulling out his phone and <laughs> pulling off pictures like as if he, you know, it was all his kids in his wallet. <laughs> That's so Great. funny. Yeah. People keep telling me if I ever have kids, I'm going to be the worst dad ever just because I keep posting pictures of my dog. <laughs> <laughs> this brings up a random question that I had written down here and I didn't know when to insert it, but I'm inserting it now. Here we go. Lola, do you trust people that don't like animals? Ooh, oh, ouch. Justin. Uh, well. <laughs> We're getting real here on the interesting <laughs> <hour>. <laughs> I guess I would have to say it causes a couple questions. I don't distrust them right off the bat, but, you know, I need to know why. Because, you know, some people are allergic or some people just never got exposed. Right, right. Or, like, I, you know, my passion is horses, 
And a lot of people, their first experience with horses isn't always positive. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. they might have been scared. So I don't know. I think I like to think it's an opportunity to maybe give them a second chance. And then if they still don't shine to them, yeah, I'm probably not going to trust them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's so funny. I've had family members when we got our, my dog, Bella, I, some of them freaked out. Like they're like, and if you know my dog and if she knows you, she's like the biggest sweetheart. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I'm like. If yeah. you don't like my dog, I kind of judge you. <laughs> yeah. we, have one, we have one dog who's like an excellent judge of character. So I always use him to oh, like scope dang. out the new students or the new. Wow. So you know, I, I kind of do yeah, the same he thing. He gives a little them bit. the look and then he looks at me. I'm like, okay, they're good. They're in. I, you got people like writing papers like, please accept me to your school. And you're like, yeah, come by on Monday. Our dog's going to be there and <laughs> we'll sniff, sniff you. you out. I have to pass literally the sniff test. <laughs> I was uh, I was recently at a meeting and uh, they had a dog at this office I was at. And uh, the dog smelt my dog, so it was completely enthralled with my pants. Yeah. <laughs> right? Sniffing. And then when I sat down, the dog came in. And I was just paying more attention to the dog than the clients. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm pretty sure they're just seeing if the dog likes me or not so they can like me. And the dog loved me. It was a great meeting. Dude, the quickest way you can get to an animal lover's heart is like pet their dog and be like, what a cute dog. Like, Have some treats in your pocket. That's how I meet people on the street that like I would never <laughs> talk to. Like we do just have nothing to say to each but other. But then you got to ask yourself, why do they have treats in their pocket with not a dog? <laughs> 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 Justin, you're falling for the con, man. Uh-oh. <laughs> Anyways, back to Lola <laughs> and these and our pets and her pets and not pets, but animals. Um, yeah, okay, Lola. So, if anyone w- wanted to get involved in this type of work, what do they have to do? Let's talk. Let's start from the beginning. You you were always into animals, it seems, even in undergrad. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, finding a niche, finding something to specialize in for yourself, that must have been awesome. So. Now, 30 years later, how, what's the field look like? Well, how do people do this? It's so incredible how, how much it's grown and how many more opportunities there are for people to get involved at any level, which is really, really exciting. I mean, I never expected to see myself as an educator or you know, be at this point in my career where I spend as much or more time teaching people to do animal massage than I actually do doing animal massage. But um, nowadays, there's a lot of school programs available for people to get training. And training could mean anything from just, you know, pet owners like you guys who really love their dogs and cats uh, going for a one-day class to just learn basic tools that they can use to help manage their dog's health and longevity or doing our full program, which is for, you know, career training for people who want to be animal practitioners. So um, our school provides a lot of different types of classes and training for people. And our student body is pretty diverse, too. We have, you know, young people looking for a new career path and Mm -hmm. who want to work in the animal field. We have um, people in their 30s, 40s, 50s kind of looking at second careers or looking at supplementing. And then we have older um, generation that are retired but want to continue either volunteering uh, with animal shelters and things, and they just want a unique way to be involved. And then just pet owners, too, who who want to learn for the sake of their own animals or maybe animals that they're caring for. So, um, yeah, the opportunities now compared to when I got started were really interesting. And, you know, you mentioned that um, I kind of had a lifelong love of animals um my 
my mother, when I was being born, my mother's best friend's dog was having puppies. Mm-hmm. And so my <laughs> first puppy was born like an hour before me. Wow, that's really? in the stars. That's written in the stars. Yeah, it was kind of auspicious, I think. I want to ask some follow-up questions to what you were just talking about. You were mentioning like people can take a one-day class versus like the full program. Like how long is that program? Who would be wanting well, to make a career? Part of that's going to depend on our, our program, our what we call our foundation program, which is where people start on a career path, mm-hmm. is 200 hours of training. And then we have additional mm-hmm. specialties for people who maybe want to work with like um, athletic animals. We have a performance program. We have a rehabilitation program for people who want to work with animals that are recovering from illness or injury. And then we have specialties like acupressure, aromatherapy. So people can rack up hours pretty quickly in our program and part of it will depend on where they plan to practice Mm -hmm. so if you're practicing here in washington state for instance we have a 300 hour requirement so most of our washington-based students take our foundation program and then they take a specialty but in some areas of the country people could get started with just the foundation program it's it's really state specific or even country specific because we have a lot of international students. And it, depending on the state, I, you mentioned this before uh, to us off the air, that there's certain regulations per state, right? Different types of... Correct. Yeah. So how, what's that like? If you can give some well, examples too. You know, it's like, because it is a young growing field, there wasn't a lot of recognition for animal massage when I got started. And so there were no state regulations. There wasn't really like a, a recognized profession or you know support group or anything like that. Um, but nowadays, each state has its own regulatory uh, view on animal massage. Here in Washington, we have a licensing program, so it's actually considered a health profession, and you get your license through the Department of Health, um, so similar to human massage uh, practitioners. But some states, they only require a certain amount of training, like uh, California, or not California, sorry, Colorado and Arizona, they have a certain number of hours, mm-hmm. but they don't have any licensure or registration. And some states are completely unregulated. Actually, probably most states are currently unregulated. But it's a big, it's a big piece of the picture right now because a lot of states are looking at, wow, how do we regulate this or how do we recognize this? How do we separate it from you know, veterinarian medicine or people doing like horseshoeing or people doing... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dog grooming you know there's a lot of different professions so right. um, it's an interesting time to get involved in the industry and an exciting time because the fact that so many states are looking at regulating it is part of the recognition that it's a powerful tool and it's something consumers want absolutely yeah. this might be a good time to mention the uh, national board of certification for animal acupressure and massage because good I, job. <laughs> yes, good job, I got Justin. it. First Justin, try. Give you a high five for that yes. one, man. High five. <laughs> I sound so smart, but it's written in front of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, because it seems like with that, you are a, a founder of this uh, mm-hmm. of this board, board. organization. Yeah, organization, yeah. yeah. So, and it seems like you guys are trying to get like a almost like a national standard or something going, right? Like to where it is more. Uh, regulated or or just there's more oversight i don't know it just says national board i just we're curious curious <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah uh yeah so there was a group of uh professionals some were educators some were just practitioners in the field who really 
wanted to create um, more, more just recognition for people who had reached a certain level of training and a way to encourage people to meet a certain level of training because the range of practitioners out there was and still is huge. You know, you have people who read a book and then they're charging people to work on on their animals, which are, you know, precious members of our family, Um, Mm -hmm. which isn't to say that they might not be really good at what they do, but there's no way for the consumer to kind of know what, you know, what's behind them. So we just got together and and created this organization initially to just promote uh, a level of training uh, Mm -hmm. across the board. And then... Um, over time, we became a certifying body. So now, um, NABCAM offers certification exams to, to individuals who have 200 hours of training or more and so that they can get recognition for their skills. But also, we've developed a standard of practice and a code of ethics and with the hope that someday that will help create a national standard, um, A, so that practitioners can have some reciprocity. Like those of us that work with horses, mm-hmm. we travel a lot. You know, um, when I work with show horses, I, I go from British Columbia to California to Florida. Um, I've even gone overseas to work with horses. And so wow. it's helpful. It's helpful if you have recognition that allows you to go from state to state and still practice. Um, but also NABCAM is you know trying to kind of guide some of the legislative action to create a standard that's both reasonable um, and uniform across the country. You were calling it NAPCAM? Yeah, okay. I'm, not as, I'm not as good at reeling it off as you were, Justin. <laughs> oh, well, you know, my I, I'm really good at making my confusion seem like it's not confusion. <laughs> um, but okay, NAPCAM. Okay, so that's, again, National Board of Certification for Animal Acupressure and Massage. Yep. Okay. No, cool. Devesh just wanted to say. I just want to say. If everyone's giving props, <laughs> I just want to give some props. Fast. Yes. So okay, I just want to make sure that was clear for people too that uh, that's what you're referring to when you say napkin. Yes. Cool. Um, so when did this uh, organization come about? When did it sprout about? Like, when was there a need for this? Um, 2008 was when mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the conversations were starting, and the initial group kind of coalesced. Um, the first group of exams, I believe, were offered in 2012. Mm-hmm. I might have that wrong, but um, there's all sorts of great information about the, the group and what it does and um, at their uh, website, which is nabcam.org. Cool. In case yeah. anyone, we'll have to make sure that's in the episode notes. Um, I want to go back real quick. You're at the Northwest School of Animal Massage. Yeah. And is there a cool like way of saying that? N- now not really okay same <laughs> <laughs> <New Wasam. laughs> yeah. well nwsam is how most people refer to it gotcha and like um and this is the school uh that is you have those uh the foundation program and then you also have those concentrate like you know specialty ones um Correct. programs so like how many how big is this institute like is it like, you can you give us some numbers for that for people to know sure um well we started in 2001. I founded the school in 2001. And at that point, we just offered a 50-hour continuing education class for Washington uh, licensed massage practitioners, which mm-hmm. meant our first year, our student body was about 18 students. <laughs> okay. And nice. um, we now have uh, about 14 satellite locations that we mm-hmm. work with and work out of. Uh, we offer classes year-round. Um, we offer 
six different levels of massage training and two levels of acupressure training. And we're just launching our uh, aromatherapy for animals certification program in 2017. And our student body now is about between 300 and 400 people a year nice. from all over the world. And those are wide age ranges, I think, right? Like uh, you have people in their early 20s, I believe you said? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what kind of age range do you see? At yeah. Your... So the, the age range is about 24 to, to 65, like in any class. And our class size is usually 10 to 12 students per um, per class. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll have about a third of each, you know, a third of 20 to 30s, a third of 40 to 50s, and a third of over 50. Um, I think our oldest student was 77, and our youngest student was 12. No way. That's yeah, and sh- it was insane. Uh, the 12-year-old already has, she's already a vet tech, and she already has like two degrees and um what yeah she's like a savant oh my goodness it was like one of my most challenging things to to be good enough to teach her (laughs) that's awesome and she was awesome with the animals i mean she's just truly gifted on on many levels but yeah that's so cool i totally Mm -hmm. dig that i so let's actually get into the types of animals you work on actually because this is one of the most interesting things i found about animal massage therapy um yeah, kind of, she's sending me pictures of her with giraffes and stuff, and I'm like, yo, "What yo. is going on here? We need, we need to get into this." Who stuff. is this woman? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that, Lola. What, what, what kind of animals do you work on? And uh, you know, don't spare any details. I want to know. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Well, geez, um, I would say the market, like the majority of our students, work with either dogs and cats, which is our small animal program. Um, or horses and livestock. And horses are a huge part of the animal massage industry. It's probably most often cited as where horse massage got its start um, on the racetracks. Really? And so that's still a huge, huge market, part of the market. But the small animal market is growing rapidly. And we're starting to see a lot of students from production markets. So we get llama breeders, alpaca breeders, um, people who raise dairy cows, uh, small organic farmers with, like, goat herds. You massage uh, cows? Yeah. Are you a vegetarian? Yeah, am I a vegetarian? I'm just curious. I mean, if you feel comfortable answering that on air. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not a vegetarian. I do try to eat as little meat as possible, but I, I have a medical condition called pernicious anemia, which um, requires oh, a lot you need, of red okay. meat clams and stuff like that so thanks for sharing lola <laughs> sorry, yeah, I, 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 sorry. Just, I didn't just interject widen he was like i need to know this <laughs> no, i yeah. tried i was i tried um going vegan for like eight years and my health really suffered so uh but i try to be really responsible about where i source my food i'm lucky because where we live um on vashon island we have a lot of organic farmers so i can source oh, my awesome. meat Right. I mean, I I can know the cow if I want to. <laughs> You've um, probably massaged the cow. That, that's, that's why I got like into it. I'm like, this is like the the most pre tenderizing you can get of your meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how. That's the whole thing behind wagyu beef, right? That's so um, funny. But no, the animals that I've worked on, I've been really really lucky because I uh, worked in the zoo field when I first got out of college. I worked for Bush Gardens in Tampa, Florida and made a lot of contacts in the zoo industry. And so uh, I've continued working with exotic species, and that's been really exciting. 
um, and kind of unique in the industry. Uh, there's a few other people who work with exotics and um, marine mammals, but uh, I think I probably have the the broadest species list that I know of. Can you? Uh, I think you already started name dropping them earlier, but can you name drop some exotic species you work on? Yeah, you bet. Well, through my work with the zoos, I've um, been able to work with giraffe. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked on a black rhinoceros. Um, lots of different primates, uh, gibbons, chimpanzees, uh, lemurs. My favorite of the primates was a howler monkey that I worked on. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) She was was great. Did it howl while you were massaging it? Uh, no, but she made lots of little chirpy noises and she loved to play with my hair. So like whenever I was massaging her, she'd like reach out and like pull my hair through through her fingers, which was really endearing. Well, I guess since, just since we're talking about the howler monkey, like I'm just I'm I'm imagining this in my in my mind's eye, and <laughs> in so, my like, mind's it, eye, it, 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 is is the animal is the, was the monkey like was she digging it or was she like feisty like a little child or I have a very what was going on? <laughs> question for that, by the way, but yeah, Lola, yeah. no, no, please answer that question first. <laughs> you bet. So uh, in this particular case, this was a monkey that um, was unfortunately attacked by another monkey on on exhibit at the zoo that they were at and so she sustained some pretty severe injuries and she she ended up where she wasn't using one of her legs because of the amount of scar tissue that had formed and also because she had a, a wound on her foot that wouldn't heal and it had been several months so when I went to the zoo I actually went there to teach some of their keeper staff how to do massage but they asked if I would work on her while I was there. So the first time I worked on her, she actually was sedated um, so that okay. I could do a lot of the scar tissue work, stuff that would have been a little uncomfortable for her and maybe a little unsafe for me. Gotcha. Um, if she thinks, if she feels like she's threatened or something while you're getting into yeah, like exactly. the deep the deep tissue. Is that what? Exactly. Okay. But we were able to, to you know, work with a lot of that in that first session. And then subsequently I worked with her um, every other day for several weeks, uh, along with her, one of her keepers. And she, she loved the massage. Uh, initially I had to work like through, uh, a barrier. So right. I could, and gloved, so I could only do certain things. Um, but by the fourth week that we were working on her, she, the wound started healing. She was putting weight on that limb. She couldn't walk on it yet, but she was putting weight on that limb and she would show up for her massages, like, you know, the regular oh, scheduled time. <laughs> she, she, so I was going to have to ask that. Like, normally, yeah, that's four weeks. Yeah, she would be weeks. waiting at her, at her door. Um, and then I left, but the keeper that I had trained continued working with her. And they did get her fully recovered so that she was using the limb again. And she was actually able to return to the exhibit with the other animals. Because, of course, during her recovery, they had to keep her sequestered, which... If you're a primate, is you know not healthy. No, so, not at all. So that Man, was really exciting. That's got to feel so great. That's got to be why you do this stuff to like see those things happen. Like yeah, and and, and you see it over and over and over again. I mean, I, my own success stories that are inspire me, but then our students. You know, some of our students have great, great stories as well. I have I, I have a, some follow up questions for you. you um, funniest animal reactions you've had. Funniest animal reaction? Yeah, like, you know, like a dog, when you're scratching a dog in a certain spot, like that dog's (laughs) leg is kicking. Like you work with a lot of exotic animals. I'm sure they have different quirks like that, no? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the best thing is I, I should keep a soundtrack of the snoring because <laughs> the animals that snore is like a You're horse that good, snores. huh? You get them to sleep, huh? Yeah, it's so funny sometimes wow. when they're snoring. We just sit around and giggle kind of at, at it. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, you get a lot of non-standard forms of feedback, like mm-hmm. compared to if you were massaging people. Like, we think it's really, really good when our horses go to the bathroom while we're massaging them. Mm-hmm. and um, they're completely relaxed? Yeah, and if the dogs pass gas, everybody's like, yay! <laughs> we're on I, there was going to be a flatulence question in here. I'm, I'm glad we got to it. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, um, and you said earlier, like, it took four weeks for that animal you mentioned to just show up for your massage like it got excited and everything um, well, no no it took four weeks for the healing it took about three sessions for her to be on board okay so I, oh yeah really fast so when you're working with some of these animals like obviously you need to get into that comfort zone with them like mm-hmm. do you just strictly depending on the situation do you use sedation like how does that work because obviously no, your safety is utmost importance right when you're going yeah, into these situations it, it's really rare that we would use sedation in an animal with the exotics. Sometimes it's uh, different because of safety issues. Like I've worked on some big cats, um, mm-hmm. and so they weren't sedated to where they were not conscious, but they were, you know, in a happy place. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time, no, we don't use any form of sedation. The massage, one of the effects of the massage is to release things like dopamine and, and kind of naturally occurring calming chemicals in the body so usually once you're five ten minutes into the massage you're going to start seeing some of that relaxation response Mm -hmm. so um it's pretty rare that i've ever had to use sedation but it is true that the first session is always about building trust with the animal so there's some of that of course in every massage but we really focus the first time on just getting to know the animal getting them used to our touch um, you know, making assessments about their well-being, but also their comfort level, so that nothing, you know, comes as a, a surprise to them. Or the last thing we want to do is make them uncomfortable. Of so um, I find that usually by the third session, the animals are truly invested. Like they definitely recognize when the massage therapist shows up versus <laughs> when like, the vet shows up. or <laughs> Like if they had tails, they'd be wagging or something. Um, <laughs> they just roll over on their back. It's like, like, get to work. Get to my bed. Yeah. <laughs> I need here, here. <laughs> um, have, have, you, um, have you ever had any accidents while on the job? You know, I'm... Knock wood. Knock wood. Uh, I've been extremely fortunate in 30 years that I have not ever been injured by an animal during a massage session. Um... That's not so true uh, in, as a, when I was a vet tech and as a competitive rider myself um, working with horses, I've certainly had my share of knocks and blows. You've and, been a competitive what? rider? You never, what do you do? Lola. Yeah. <laughs> you used to ride. Oh, yeah. I ri- I've ridden competitively most of, most of my life. That is oh. awesome. This is a fact I didn't really know about before just the show. Just throw it so in there. Another reason <laughs> she's so cool. Part of, yeah, part of riding is learning how to hit the ground gracefully. So I've done that a few times. But, okay. but never in my massage work, I can honestly say I, I've been very fortunate. Well, what kind of icebreakers are you doing with these animals? Like, Is it different per animal? Because obviously there's different cultures, I guess you can say, with... Uh, I mean, do you ever worked on an ape? I don't know how this goes. <laughs> well... 
I, I don't know if I understand the question. So, uh, like, what what kind of icebreakers do you have? Like, oh, icebreakers. Yeah, okay. yeah, with these animals, the first session. You said you're getting to know them. and Yeah, no, that's a great question because it is. It's very different how you start a session with a horse compared to how you start a session with a dog. Uh, you have to, you know, part of our training is studying the behavior of each animal mm-hmm. and what, you know, what their language is because you have to know how to respond to them and also how to read their responses to the work so that you can formulate the best massage for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for instance, with dogs, uh, in most cases, we try to allow the dog to make the first contact. So, you know, things like not making direct eye contact with dogs, um, knowing how to position your body that's w- uh, in a way that's welcoming to them. You know, if you watch dogs just mm-hmm. out with other dogs, they always circle around each other a bit. They never come head on. And they don't do a lot of eye-to-eye contact. They actually look a little bit off to the side or look away from a, a focal point, which is very different than humans. Is that like a submissive so, thing? Um, it's not necessarily submissive. It's just polite in the dog world. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think That's it is. A, it's 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 not as necessarily submitting, but it's saying, "Hey, I'm not a I'm not a threat." Oh, so right. it is kind of a way of avoiding any conflict. <laughs> that makes so, sense when my you know, dog we have is to watching use me that dance. Same that same approach with them uh, to get their buy-in. So, yeah, I'd say, you know, letting dogs make the first contact is ideal. And then, you know, being able to pet them once they've said, hey, I'm, I'm down for this, it's a little, little bit more productive. You know, whereas if I'm working with um, a horse, most of them in the environment that where you would be doing massage, they've been accustomed to a lot of handling and so, you know, walking up to them and putting a halter on and touching them on the neck or shoulder, it's kind of familiar in a way that uh, comforts them. So, But sometimes, you know, I've worked with a lot of young horses. Of course, at the racetrack, you work with a lot of young horses who may or may not have had a lot of training, and they're also super fit athletes. So they have really high levels of energy, and, and you have to be on your toes in a whole different way. Um, I can't have that same kind of up energy when I walk in or, or it might make them nervous, but I have to be alert enough to know like if they shift or move in a way I can respond to them. Right. Fascinating. Very cool. <laughs> so what about like, we've talked a, a lot about horses and obviously that's got a soft spot in your heart because that's how you got into it. Sure. And you're a lifelong rider. Yeah. The, the, and that. <laughs> and that little Jeez. fact. <laughs> Just a small thing. Um, but what about like a... You were doing some work with uh, like therapy dogs too, or um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 service animals. Like uh, I'd like to get a little bit into that. And you bet. So that's an area where massage really can have a profound impact because more and more today, dogs are being uh, used. I don't want to say used, but you know they're they they have jobs uh, related to therapy work or related to providing services. So whether it's um, you know the most popular example or the most common example that people recognize is service dogs for the blind. Mm-hmm. But we also have, you know, service dogs for people with a range of disabilities. We have therapy dogs now that are being trained and partnered with, you know, people who have PTSD, um, veterans returning with injuries and disabilities, but also with, um, uh, you know, social considerations. Uh, we had one one dog that I worked with who's who had been partnered with uh, a gal who had had some pretty severe um, uh, facial reconstruction 
um, as a result of some injuries she got while while serving. Mm-hmm. Oh and uh, and what was amazing was that her primary need was to be able to interact with people socially without feeling awkward or feeling like people were looking at her. Right. And um, having a dog is like the best way to not have people pay attention to you. <laughs> yeah, we just <laughs> talked about that earlier Everybody in the episode. Everybody gravitates yeah. to the dog, right? So her service dog was just, his his biggest job was be really cute. Um, so when she <laughs> would go out, ever. people would want to oh. know about her dog and, and how she, you know, got him and, and that took a lot of the pressure off her and got her re-engaging in, in society at a level she hadn't before. So that was really touching to be able to go in and be a part of their story. Mm-hmm. Um, I love dogs. And those dogs, they're, they're under a lot of stress. You know, they work almost 24-7. I mean, they do yeah. have time off and they're very well cared for. But mm-hmm. service dogs have a really high level of vigilance about their duties and they're always looking after that person, so mm-hmm. um, it's really nice for them to get a massage that's just for them, and, and they get that time to just be a dog and, and relax and restore some of their mental health, which also impacts your physical health. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't know what, if any, science is behind it, but I've never have something like I believed in more. Like, when you see, like, these dogs going into, like, you know, maybe it's just even a person's bedroom at a hospital and you think, man, mm-hmm. when's the last time this person smiled and they're yeah. sitting there, you know, and they're petting and loving on this dog and this dog's just like, I don't give a crap what happened to you. I love you so much. I'm going <laughs> to so lick true. your face. Like there's there's something so special about that. Yeah. We have a, we have a couple miniature horses here on the farm that are models for our school and they always remind me like how well animals deal with disabilities and how there's they're really great models for for children and adults who are facing challenges because they just kind of take it in stride you know right. I can't count the number of three-legged dogs that have come through our classes mm-hmm. and they're just like well that's my role in life and <laughs> off I go to do my thing so um, we have <laughs> We have a, a little blind miniature horse. He's been blind since he was three, oh and he's 19 now. And, and most people don't even know that he's blind until they really look closely because he just gets around and does everything that a normal horse does and never feels sorry for himself, and neither do the other horses. So um, it's a really kind of an interesting study in in. I don't know, um, adaptability. Yeah, yeah, and you touched on it a bit there, but it sounds like you guys have like a maybe unofficial mascot for your school. This, uh, you, you mentioned this horse um, that, uh, did it, was it a broken leg that it had? Yeah, um, her name is Missy, and she is a miniature horse. And I first met her at Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, which is a 30,000-acre sanctuary in the middle of Utah. One of the most gorgeous places you can imagine and totally dedicated to uh, animals and they had taken her in because she had broken a leg which you know if you know anything about horses usually that's done like that's that's usually the end of them right like i i have just this is something that i've heard like it's it's true it's a very hard injury for them to recover from because well most people that came to people's consciousness when we had the um you know barbaro who stole America's heart and then and then unfortunately had to be destroyed after breaking a leg. Um, Sad. Well, she had a broken leg, but the people at Best Friends kind of pulled out all the stops and they actually built her a sling 
and she had to just hang in this sling for almost six months while they were waiting to see if the leg could be surgically repaired. Um, and so I just happened to be there teaching a class when she um, was first there. So I did some massage work with her, and then subsequently I kept going back down to work with her um, during her recovery. And um, she she recovered. Um, she's got limitations, and she definitely has a limp, but mm-hmm. she gets around great. And so once she was out of her sling... Um, she became friends with the the little blind miniature horse that was her first uh, pasture buddy, Aww. and so I, you know we kind of got suckered into adopting them together. Oh which, my uh, gosh, that's sweet! <laughs> you got these two little gimpy horses just loving life together. <laughs> like that—that's oh, yeah. the most beautiful thing. It is. It's great. It's great, and they do remind me. You know, every day that if I down on myself or something, all I have to do is walk through our barnyard and realize that you know I've got a pretty good. Yeah, and there's there's a there's a picture by the way. We'll put it in the show notes that mm-hmm. if it's okay with you of the oh, the sorry. horse and the the sling. It's just like it's the cutest saddest thing it's you've ever cutest. seen. I, well, yeah, you look. I was like, oh, poor poor horse. <laughs> I just, yeah. And how long did you say was it? Seven months or six? She months? was in the sling six or seven months, and it wow. it went from being like where she was totally suspended to where they could lower the sling so that she could be weight bearing for certain periods of the day. <laughs> And then they just increased the amount of time she was weight bearing, and then she could even walk around a little bit because um, it was kind of on a track. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a pet goat during her recovery so that she wasn't alone because you know That's, social uh, right, right. interaction is really important for for animals too. Jeez. I'm just thinking if you're hanging in a sling for half a year, like it is being dangled. Like I, I would be, I'd feel kind of useless. <laughs> Like, I just yeah. imagine, like, an actor on set, like, they have a wireframe thing going on. I know. It's kind of like, are we done? Do we need another take? Like, Especially I, if you're a horse and yeah. you don't know what You, you have know, no idea what we're doing. And They're like, who are these weird people and why did they put me in this thing to cause me to hang and go down and put some weight on some hurtful leg here? Oh, and man. you're a flight animal, so your whole, you know, life is geared around getting away from things. Exactly. So exactly. It's, it's challenging, but she took she took to it very well and she had a... A whole team of caregivers. So um, she was. She was that, that's a pretty amazing story. I mean, you have thirty years of experience. Do you have anything else like awesome that you'd like to share with us? Like a, a similar story? Oh my gosh! Well, we could go on all day, but um, I do have a number of cases that that were particularly touching to me. We had a, a giraffe um, that had to have re- uh, surgery on a foot. She just had a, a, a cyst in her foot, and they actually hired. A horseshoer to come in and remove the cyst but the challenge of course with the giraffe is if you have to sedate them mm-hmm. it takes an army of people uh to 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 like lower its neck down. like safely <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i mean that's probably the last thing a zookeeper wants to hear is we have to anesthetize your giraffe because the risk of losing the giraffe is so great. Uh, statistically, it's really high. Is it, uh, is it specifically because of like neck injuries? Exactly. They either break their neck on the way down or on the way up. Oh, um, wow. Or giraffe have a really interesting physiological breathing apparatus. Um, and so every so often they kind of go through a, an oxygen deprivation moment and so when you have them under anesthesia, you have to account for that. So it's, it's really hard to um, maintain their, so that they don't go into massive muscles cramping. Mm-hmm. So they called in 
the massage therapist to be present during the the massage. And I, I actually got four other vet techs involved and all five of us were giving the giraffe mas- a massage throughout its entire <laughs> surgical, surgical. Man, that's one hell of a neck massage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, we had uh, one person stationed at each limb, like um, where the limb joins the body to work on the lymphatic system there. Cause there's a lot of like lymph nodes that help to drain things and help that was just to kind of help keep the oxygen level normal. And then I was working so primarily stressful. on the neck to prevent any kind of um, injury there. And, and that was great. You say Probably. that's great. I sound, you make me feel so stressed out. That's just an intense situation to be in. Yeah, it was. It, it was It was really interesting. It was about a two-hour surgery, and um, everybody involved was just drenched by the end of it, um, just from the, you know, more from just the excitement of it than, than the effort. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. Um, and she did. She did great. She came out of the surgery great. She got up and was eating in in no time. Uh, the veterinarian that was involved in that surgery said it was one of the best recoveries he'd seen. Um, oh, so that was great. really cool. Probably one of the stories you'll enjoy the most is um, uh, I had a little Cotamundi that I worked on. And okay, I think did, was that in one of the pictures because I don't know what a Cotamundi is. Uh, the, I think the picture I sent you was a Kinkajou, which is similar. Wait, um, wait, we're talking about animals or Pokemon? I know. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what are we doing now? I, know, uh, I feel like I'm speaking another language, but I mean, we're, okay, get us on the same page here. <laughs> sure. um, so a Cotamundi is a um, Australian animal, and they're small. They kind of look like a like a little raccoon but cuter and they live in groups obviously and they're very very they're um they're fruitivores and herbivores so they eat fruit and vegetables and they're very very social are they a marsupial they are okay justin i think so you know what i'm (laughs) I'm not 100 percent sure but i'm pretty sure they are marsupial um and they they part of their social structure is they feed each other so in addition to eating they also gather food for one another and feed one another Mm-hmm. Oh, and, that is uh, so cute. If I could combine like the whole kinkajou story with spending six months in a hammock, it would be ideal. But um, the two are completely unrelated. Uh, but we had one kinkajou who was born with a really nasty skin disease, skin condition. So he had no hair and he had a lot of like cysts and bumps on his skin. And so... He was kind of ostracized by the troop that he lived oh. with um, because they do a lot of grooming. When they're feeding, they groom each other, and that's another social activity. Oh, and he's got no hair. Yeah, that's so the saddest thing. Kids can it, be so cruel. Yeah, it was tragic. And, of course, the zoo was faced with the idea of, like, well, do we put him down? When he was born, he had a sibling, and him and the sibling were close, so they didn't want to make a decision until the sibling had made some other bonds. But she ended up, the sibling ended up being, like, trying to, like, steal food and go over and give it to him when the others weren't looking because, you know, she didn't want the others to stop feeding her, but she also wanted to take care of him. So it was really heartbreaking. Well, what we did was we tried to introduce some massage to him and I I decided I was going to use some essential oils to complement the the therapy. Mm -hmm. And so we took uh, little toothbrushes and we put different appropriate essential oils on the brush and then we'd scrub them with these little brushes. 
And if we put them, and the other Kinkaju, or the other Cotamundis started getting really interested in him because he smelled so good. Like, hey, why well, this guy getting pampered so yeah. much? <laughs> exactly. So oh, then we started putting like, fruit juice on the toothbrushes and rubbing them with the fruit juice. Mm-hmm. And then they were all over him. So they would like come over and groom him to taste the fruit juice. And then they were like, oh, I want to be his friend. So they'd bring like him the food offerings. That's the ugly duckling story I've ever heard. Yeah. And he <laughs> so he got reintegrated into the troop and... It was really, really fascinating. Wow. That is the coolest story. That's cute. <laughs> I'm actually really happy you said that because now I feel a lot better about my day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Um, I'm trying to think of any other questions because we're getting towards the end here. Oh, we have dogs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, we love our dogs a lot. And um, do you have any advice for us on how we can take care of our dogs? <laughs> Specifically, if I may, my dog is like this little mutt that is like little senior citizen dog, and uh, <laughs> that is so true. And she is the mo- she's part pug, and she is the most bow legged walking thing like that I've ever seen. And I don't know if there's anything you can tell me to do for her hips, but like like Devesh said, like you know you you look at her and it's like. It can't feel too great to have like walking around like that all the yeah. time. So I'll try to rub her legs or the muscles. I massage there, my but... dog like whenever yeah. I can. I massage my dog more than I massage my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just because hey, my dog she needs some help too. She can't tell you this. She just looks at you and like your wife comes home. You got the candles lit. Bella's like <laughs> oh, belly up. Back. Yeah, belly up, and she just. <laughs> My dog, yeah, it's it's a lot of love and a lot of spoiledness. It's not what it looks like. <laughs> it, no, it's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> I'm giving my dog a massage. Leave me alone. It's no. a long-winded way to ask, uh, what tips can you give us for massaging our dogs? Well, you know, honestly, you're already doing the most important thing. I mean, all of us, when we're petting our animals, are doing a form of massage. Mm. And so what I like to tell people when they ask me, like, oh, you do animal massage for a living? Like, aren't you just petting pets. I mean, that sounds pretty indulgent. Yes. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's kind of the difference between getting a massage from your boyfriend or girlfriend or, or partner mm-hmm. and going to a human massage practitioner who's going to have a higher skill level for detecting where there might be issues. And they're going to spend more time and they're going to have a really broad set of skills. Mm-hmm. So they're both great and they're both important. And I tell my clients, I, I hope that they massage their pets. And one of the best things that you can do is something you're probably already doing, and that's just using a flat hand to stroke over the entire body of the animal, including like touching all parts of the ear, touching all parts of the feet, mm. so the animal's really accustomed to any kind of handling, especially mm. if you have younger dogs or like a lot of people, if they get a rescue dog or an animal from the shelter, they may not have had a lot of positive touch experiences. Right. So just that really gentle stroking with a flat hand, it's it's comforting, it's non-threatening, and it really, really helps to create a response that we call vasodilation, which just means that the blood vessels, the the muscles associated with the lining of the blood muscle, um, blood vessels relax mm-hmm. so that the blood vessel expands and you get better blood flow to all parts of the body. And that's like one of the most powerful things massage does is it improves the flow of blood to the tissues because that's going to deliver oxygen, which every tissue needs to function. Right. And it's also going to encourage the removal of waste products, which every organ in your body creates. And if you can 
keep good blood flowing and keep waste products being flushed out of the body, that contributes to your pet's health on every level. It contributes to their you know, nervous system health. It contributes to their skin and their coat and their um, muscles. It contributes to their ability to learn. Um, it contributes to their behavior and temperament um, by just creating that relaxation. And probably the biggest benefit to the pet owner is if you do that even once a week, if you just take 20 minutes once a week to go over your pet that way, you will have a better sense of your pet's body so that if something comes up, like a a new little lump or an area that's suddenly sensitive that wasn't sensitive before, or you recognize that part of their body is hot compared to the rest of the body, that gives you um, a, a much better opportunity to help when things, you know, the earlier you can detect a problem, the more your options more options you'll have to caring for it. I couldn't agree more. So. There's a, I'm just going to boast about the story. When I, my dog is a rescue dog. And mm-hmm. when we first got her, she was only being taken care of by females. And the fact that my wife and I adopted Bella, uh, she would never go near me. <laughs> like yeah. I was, she just knew I was a guy and she didn't go, it wasn't just me, any guy. Like if you were a male, she just wouldn't trust you. So it took me like a week, week and a half for her to just get used to me. And that was a lot of, you know, coercing with treats and such, what have you. But once we got to that point, we, I started developing to the point, like, you know, petting her, just getting her used to it. And the first time I tried to massage like her legs or her paws, she would freak out. But then now she just kind of like, she sees me getting ready for massage. She just gets on her back and just like, it just goes on her shoulder, <laughs> belly up position. Right. Complete one. But at the same to uh, Lola's uh, explanation, her credit, like, yeah, there's been so many times I'm giving her a massage and I find like, Oh my goodness, she's got a cut from the dog park on her paw. Like she's mm-hmm. been nursing for a while. And I'm like, and there's something in there. If I had not massaged, her, I wouldn't have found it. And just, mm-hmm. there was something, something stuck in her paw. I just took it out. And then all of a sudden she was so happy, <laughs> you yeah. know, and then like, and just other things, like I found like random scarring or not scarring, like cuts on my dog just cause she gets, she loves to run at a dog park yeah. and like, you know, just as random things all fine. And I'm like, okay. But now you can tell on her face, man, she just loves it. Like, he's like, oh, just mm-hmm. touch inside my ear. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, massage therapy. Awesome. <laughs> Both for humans and animals. Uh, yeah, and I, I certainly always encourage people like to to do that piece of it, but also to you know if you have a an animal massage practitioner in your area, to at least a couple times a year get a full session so that that person can even clue you into more things because mm-hmm. they'll have a, a you know a a much more sophisticated uh, opportunity to to recognize things based on their training that might escape your notice. But we love it when clients are that involved and dedicated that they're doing that work of monitoring their pet's health themselves, Mm -hmm. then we can be that much more effective and they get a lot more for their money. So, um, so I think that's great. You're telling me pretty much we need to plan a spa day for our dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Gotcha. Just want to make sure that's clear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just, I'm just curious. Um, I, I really don't know if you're okay talking about it. Like how much would, Say if I found somebody here in LA, and I know prices vary everywhere, but what would yeah. I be looking at to get a session? How long does it last? Yeah, it really varies, and um, but it's pretty similar to human massage. So I think you can kind okay. of guess that what you're paying for your massages, it's going to be something similar. Um, 
it ranges across the country for, for a dog, let's say. I've seen everything from $45 to $95, depending on the amount of expertise of the provider and also your dog's needs. You know, if it's a post-surgical um, session where, you know, they need to have the knowledge enough to know why the surgery was done and what things they need to watch for, like is their hardware, you know, used in the repair, things like that, that's going to, you know, have a higher price because it's a, a um, higher trained individual. But if it's, uh, you know, for behavioral reasons or for uh, training or it, probably the biggest market for dogs is geriatrics. You know, Geriatric. as our dogs age, we start to see like, man, they're just not getting up on the couch like they used to right. or they're not. Oh, Chloe. You know, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's they come Justin's home dog. from the do- dog park and they're just, the next day they're kind of stiff and sore and you want to, you just want to have tools to help them. So I mm-hmm. think that's, you know, a huge um, way that massage therapists benefit pet owners is just taking care of their older pets. So, um, but that's, that's probably the range is somewhere in that 45 to 95. Timing wise, it also really varies. Some practitioners do market their massage by, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes. I personally don't do that in my sessions mm-hmm. um, just because uh, over time what I've found for my work is that, uh, you know, you're, you're buying the quality of my work, not necessarily the quantity. Right. And massage, sometimes you get the work done in 40 minutes. And so there's not really any value to you or the pet to hang around for another 20 minutes. And then sometimes with a lot of the horses, I might spend 90 minutes or two hours doing a session. So I feel like I don't attach a a financial goal to it because then maybe I won't, maybe the owner won't be able to have me stay to do the work. Um, It's kind of a wash over time. So. Awesome. Uh, Can you like, so I know we've talked about horse uh, massage a lot. Like, just give us a quick rundown. Like, say you somebody called you in. It's nothing like post-surgery or anything like that. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, this guy's uh, just run a few good races. Let's let's give him mm-hmm. some some happy time. Like, mm-hmm. what, so what, what do you start on? Like, uh, and could you talk us through like a typical massage session? Sure, session? yeah. Yeah, and I would say the majority of my clients are, are those types of cases where it's a show horse or a riding horse or, or a race horse and, and they're healthy. Um, but they just want to, you know, keep them healthy. So when I arrive, if I haven't worked with the animal before, I'm going to spend some time doing some assessments, which is going to include, you know, running my hands over the animal to feel their muscle tone. And and like you were saying, check for any kind of injuries or concerns on the surface. I'm probably also going to watch the animal moving and see, you know, what we call a gait analysis. Um, I am going to talk with the owner and take, you know, take down a health intake, get any information I need about the horse's history. And then um, from all that information, I can formulate a plan and then I'm going to go into my massage. So massages usually include some, some techniques or some work done just to get that relaxation response, to get the nervous system kind of kicking over into um, you know, slowing the heart rate, deepening the respiration rate, getting that vasodilation going. Um, then I'm going to target areas. So I might be doing a combination of some deep tissue work or some um, what we call myofascial release, which attends to some of the connective tissues. I might be doing some um, work with uh, ligaments or, um, or just the skin uh, just to target areas that maybe... Um, are a little more t- 
tents are rigid or have less pliability or where movement is being impaired. And then uh, at some point during the massage, I'm probably introducing some stretching or some sort of movement exercises to help reinforce better patterns of movement for the animal. And then I'm going to close the session with something that helps to integrate all of that or helps to go back over the whole body and connect the work in a way that enhances the animal's awareness. Um, when possible, it's great if I can also watch the horse or dog work a little bit afterwards. And that might just mean having them taken out for a walk and, and see, you know, how they're integrating the massage. But that's not always, always possible. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no. Uh, and then I tell them to make sure to drink water. And, right, and call you in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Take one and call me in the morning. Um, all right. Are we... I you think, think we're think ready to it, wrap man. up? All yeah, right. This is it, man. Um, oh, time flies. I know, I know. I know. This has been crazy. <laughs> uh, so I got my, my one last question here. And I, I rephrase it so it doesn't sound like you like one animal more than the other. <laughs> <laughs> what has been your, your best uh, patient or client that you've had? And who's just been the worst? Not, <laughs> not, not in terms of you liking them better or anything, but, but difficulty and yeah. feistiness, service, eh? you know, like resisting you the most. Sure, sure. Um, well, you know what? I'd have to say my favorite subjects to work with, regardless of species, are the animals that I've come in contact with through the shelters that we partner with. Mm-hmm. Like the Missy story, you know, like um, we, we worked with a lot of the victory dogs that were, you know, um, also ended up at Best Friends Animal Sanctuary after they were um, recovered. Um, yeah, just working with rescue dogs are my favorite, and, and rescue horses, animals that have been through some kind of adversity and come out the other side. Mm. Um, and I think it's because I learn as much from them as they get from me. And, and um, you know, to see them kind of blossom despite early beginnings, that's... that's yeah. That's really cool. And um, my uh, most difficult patient, honestly, um, this is a horrible thing to say, but um, it's probably one of the reasons I don't do a lot of people anymore is that um, <laughs> the animals were just so much more ready to move beyond whatever issue brought them through my door. Mm-hmm. And some some people, I worked with a lot of athletes when I was uh, doing a lot of human massage as well. And so the athletes were really pretty body aware and they had goals and stuff. So they were pretty, pretty much like the animals. They would just want to go on to the next thing. But sometimes you get people, you know, who are really entrenched in a stress pattern or a lifestyle or, or a disease condition that you just couldn't help them because they, it, they identified with it. And mm. I, you know, without giving specifics, I had one or two of those where it was just like, wow, I really feel like I'm just beating my head against the wall because I'm not sure that you want or can move past this. Oh my um, gosh. So. I would agree that people are answer. the worst. Yeah. I, I like animals a lot better. I don't blame you for. People suck. <laughs> I, love people. I, don't. I love people. I just, I love their animals more, I guess. I just said on air, people suck. I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, you heard no, it here I, first. Me and Devesh don't like people. Yeah. <laughs> we just interview them all every week. Um, you like interesting people, inter- right? Yes. Yeah. They're my favorites. Go. You're my favorite, Lola. <laughs> um, 
that's I think that's it then. Lola, how can people find you online? Sure. Um, well, if they want to learn more about the Northwest School of Animal Massage, I would encourage them to visit our website, which is www.nwsam.com, or visit our Facebook page. Um, that's where you get to see all the really cool pictures and Yay. hear the great things our students are doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, our web, our email address at the school is info at nwsam.com so if they want more information about classes and when we might be coming to an area near them that would be great yeah because it seems like and we already talked about it but you move around a lot you're doing yeah, a lot of move. classes around the, yeah, the states right oregon utah british columbia we're we're going to be going to japan soon and we have come to the la area in the past we used to teach out of the escondido um humane society but um, through our relationships at Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, they now have a great facility right there in LA. So we might be coming to your oh, neck. That of is the- so cool. If you if you come out if you come out here, you gotta let us know. We gotta yeah. we gotta come see you. <laughs> we, we gotta get a selfie with you. Yeah, yeah. Because I would love to meet Bella and and um, Justin. I didn't get your dog's name, but Chloe. Chloe. And, Chloe. and we want to meet Izzy <laughs> if you bring Izzy down. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. I'll bring Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Lola, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a blast. Thank you. It's been wonderful for me as well. Awesome. Yeah, you have been awesome. Take care, Lola. See you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. Animal massage therapy. So therapeutic. <laughs> uh, so this is the stuff she was talking about with the animals uh, and how they like know who she is after the first couple sessions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's think of the psychology of a horse. <laughs> Lola. Lola's here. They know her. They have to know her. Oh, they just like they recognize anticipating her. it. Whether it's her face or the smell she gives off, she's like they just oh it's Lola. Like <laughs> I need to submit right now. So, I mean that's like she has like a red carpet rolled off her every time she goes to work. Pretty much, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And what a what a cool uh, a cool job. Like you don't have to be a veterinarian or a veterinarian's assistant. Like there's right. other ways you can work with animals. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's uh it's something that it shows that the field's kind of diverse. And yeah. you really kind of, especially there's a lot of room to innovate. And yeah. especially as Lola's done, she's established the whole thing, uh, just, you know, massage therapy for animals and stuff. So, um, yes, it's really cool. And she does that at the Northwest School of Animal Massage. Thanks again, Lola, for yeah. coming on the show. Yep. And check that place out if you have any more questions or you want to get more involved in that kind of thing. And also thank you for Core Foundation or to Core Foundation for putting the show up. Core Foundation, a multimedia nonprofit. Yeah, check us out at cor-foundation.org. And last but not least, Chuck Levins. Thank you, Chuck Levins, for providing all the stuff for us. You're awesome. Yeah. There's not much more to say about that. Check yeah. them out, guys. If you have any audio uh, equipment needs or musical needs, check them out. They can help you out like they helped us. Yeah. yeah. And check us out next week because we got a pretty cool episode. Next week, we got, what was it, Justin? Aphrodisiacs. Aphrodisiacs? I don't know. That was kind of hoopla is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you think it's hoopla, right? Yeah, I mean, scientifically speaking. All right. Um, we talked about it on the show. Yeah. And everyone will know that once they listen to it next week. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We have Amy Riley on the show, mm-hmm. uh, who's like the aphrodisiac expert. Yeah, author of many books on the subject, and she's gone around and done a lot she's of... She's been on the news a ton of times about this stuff, done a lot of outreach. So mm-hmm. uh, we're really thankful that she took the time to be on this outreach with the interesting hour. So check us out next week. Uh, and if you haven't checked out our first few episodes, check us out. It's yeah. pretty cool. We've launched last week. 
this is pretty, I, I, we're doing this. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, it's still a little surreal. Yeah. So, uh, and thanks for the feedback, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm glad everyone's enjoying the shows so far. Yeah. The episodes. Yeah. The shows. Keep it coming, please. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. We'll see you next week. And again, check us out on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can check the show out at, at The Eye Hour. Um, and on Facebook, we're The Interesting Hour. Um, you can find Justin and I on Instagram and Twitter and I guess Facebook. Just look for us. My handle's Devesh Verma. Instagram, it's DV Lens Flare. And I think Justin is like JT Coop. You never figured it out. You never figured it out. Just search Justin <laughs> Coop and Or to see something I'm tagged in. Or yeah. I've tagged him in. So anyways, guys, we'll see you online. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, check us out next week. We're going to eat caviar together. <laughs> we actually really did eat caviar while we were recording that. All right. <laughs> see ya. Bo, 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 bo.